Hello! Welcome to the November bonus episode of Tea and Tropes. If you're new here, welcome. Every month we pick a book of the month, we go over it, um, and we also interview authors each week. Um, so I'm so glad you guys are here. Today is our bonus episode for November, and we are covering the entirety of Iron Flame. So I don't know how long this <laughs> episode's going to be. Before we jump into it, I am leaving for Los Angeles today, so if you guys are going to be at Los Angeles Comic Con and you see me, please stop by and say hi. We could chat about books, and I could give you a free bookmark. So I'm super excited for that, and if you guys see me there, please, please, please say hi. Don't be shy. So before we get into the good stuff, um, it's going to be a little difficult because normally I'll pose questions and then we'll wait a week to find out if those questions lead to anything. Obviously, doing an entire book in one episode, I have read through the entire book. So basically what I'm going to do is I have a notebook and I made tons and tons and tons. It's like half this notebook is just for Iron Flame. Um, so I'm just going to go through my notes in order, chapter by chapter. Um, obviously, I might ask a question or make a theory that turns out to be correct. Um, but we're just kind of going to see how it goes. Um, so bear with me. <laughs> Afterwards, if there were any theories I had that weren't resolved, um, I will talk about those at the end. So I'm really excited. I don't really have anything else except for thank you guys so much for being here. And I hope you enjoy this bonus episode of Iron Flame by Rebecca Yaros. tea of the week this week I am highlighting yet another um, fantasy nerdy Dungeons and Dragons themed tea company it is woman owned and operated part of the LGBTQ community the Pearson of color community um, all the good stuff and they are called the gilded tiefling t-e-a-f-l-i-n-g which I love I think it's hilarious I'm always here for a good pun but they have so many different flavor options. They have a honey mead, a Earl Grey, green teas, chai teas, fruit infusions, just so many different options. Um, definitely give them a check. Give them a check. Take a check. Take a check. Take a look. I don't know. You, you guys know what I'm saying. Sorry. It is. I am very frazzled after finishing Iron Flame. But um, take a look at their website at thegildedtiefling.com. I will link it in the description of the video. And let's get right into these dragons. Now, I'm not going to go through everything, not every single detail, just because there is a lot that happened throughout this book. I'm going to give a very, very quick summary um, of each chapter and then pull out pieces that I think are important. Um, starting with chapter one, I love books that give me a recap of what happened in the last book. 
because I tend to forget very easily. So we start off with a very quick re uh, recap. Um, we find out that Andana's bar and Darna's bond, excuse me, is no longer gold. And my immediate thought was, well, that's because she's not gold anymore. Um, we find out that Brennan has been going by a different name for very obvious reasons. And Violet says that she can't be in love with Satan because she doesn't trust him. And she overhears that the assembly wants to take her as prisoner. Besides Indarna's bond no longer being gold, there was not really anything that I pulled of note out of this chapter. I think it's more of just like the basic, you know, setup and recap. But if you guys found anything, please let me know. I, I would love to. In chapter two, we learned that there are two different types of wyvern. There's the ones that breathe the green fire and the ones that breathe the blue. That breathe the blue, excuse me. My question is, how do we know it stops there? As we know, there are six different types of dragons. There's blue, black, orange, green, red, and brown. So it just seems a little unrealistic to think that there's only two different types of wyvern. So just throwing that out there. We are told that they think that the metal box that they found with the runes on it um, was a lure for the venom. Um, so that's obviously going to come by later because if it's such a small little box that they could hide anywhere. It could literally be anywhere. And then we see Darna. She is twice as big as she was before. And they pretty quickly explain that it's something that dragons do that's accelerated gro growth. And she needs to go into a sleep to finish the growing process. Also, she has black scales. So that's super interesting. Satan tells Violet that he will teach her how to shield from Dane. And Andarna is a moody teenager. And she also, Andarna, um, cannot stop time anymore because she's no longer a feather tail. But doesn't that mean now that once she is fully grown, she will give Violet a second signet, though? So I'm curious if stopping time is going to be related to that signet, if the signet's going to have anything to do with time or freezing anything, you know, something like that. Um, or if it's going to complement because we know the signet comes from the writer itself, not the dragon. Um, so I'm curious if it's going to complement Violet's current signet, the lightning. They decide to return to Basgaeth. On that flight, we get the history of the first writers, the original six. Um, and we learn that the deal that they had made with the dragons was mutually beneficial to both humans and dragons at the time. Violet asks Zayden if the revolution has any scribes in it. And he says no. But who do we know that one loves the scribes, has scribe friends, and who knows the value that scribes bring to the table? They're not just, you know, book nerds <laughs> like all of us. Um, but Violet knows how important that they are in community, in wars, in cultures in general. So I think, you know, at some point in this, she's going to pull Jacinia into her ranks. <laughs> Zayden tells Violet that he has a plan to get Dane to leave her alone, but Violet is like, nah, nah, I got this. Um, 
they go to Liam's room, and before Liam's things are burned, she grabs the stack of letters that he had written for his little sister so that those wouldn't get burned, um, and she stashes them with Rhiannon. And Zayden tells Violet that he'll answer questions, but he's not going to freely give information, which I'm sorry. I'm kind of on Violet's side here because if you have been lying to me the entire time I've known you and I find out this big piece of life-changing information and I literally become a traitor to my country, you best believe I'm not waiting to ask the right question to get answers. No, I totally see where Violet's coming from this, but it's definitely going to be an issue and we'll see how it plays out. And Violet is right back with the quote, I will not die today, which is very on character. Um, when they get to the field, everybody thinks that they're dead and they're reading their names on the death roll. And Zayden's like, well, this is awkward. And, you know, everybody like turns around and gasps. And Rebecca Yaros has this really fun way of like ending every single chapter on a cliffhanger, even if it's not that big of a cliff. <laughs> It's sometimes ridiculous, but I, I always find it, like, really interesting. I remember back in fourth wing, there was one chapter that ended with, and it, the everybody in the room erupted in chaos or whatever, and it really wasn't that big of a deal. It was pretty minimal, if I, if I remember correctly. I just remember thinking, well, that was kind of anticlimactic. But I still love them because it, like, keeps me going and keeps me guessing and, you know, always wanting to read one more chapter, one more chapter. But anyway... <laughs> In chapter four, Colonel Atos is reading the death roll, and he says that because they were missing, they were assumed to be dead. Zayden announces that they were attacked by griffins during the war games, and Violet backs up the story to her mother. And her mother is like, well, obviously my daughter's not lying. Um, and kind of, like, lets them go. Now look, I am not a mother. But what I can tell you is that my mother always knew when I was lying. Even if I thought I was doing a good job, she knew every single time. So, with that being said, Violet's mom knows. She knows the truth here. Or she knows at the very least that Violet's lying. She doesn't say anything. In fact, she looks proud of Violet. And she actually chastises Colonel Atos. After the death roll, Dane runs up to Violet and is like, oh my gosh, Violet, you're not dead, blah, blah, blah. And he goes to, like, hug her. And she goes, fucking feral, you guys. Feral. I almost cheered out loud. It was super close. Um, she goes, she yells in front of everybody, like, don't fucking touch me. And that is going to set up their relationship dynamic going forward. Because now literally everybody knows that they are not getting along. <laughs> At the very least, they're not getting along. That seems to kind of downplay the severity of the situation, but we're going to go with that phrasing. All of the graduated third years are told that they are given their assignments and they'll be having to leave by morning, which means that Zayden has to leave in the morning. In chapter five, uh, we have all the writers are partying after graduation um, Quinn tells Violet not to get close to the first years because most of them are going to die. And we know that Liam's little sister is coming as a first year, but the way that this is phrased, it makes me think that 
Violet's going to know more than just one first year that's coming in. So I'm really curious as to who that's going to be. Zayden tells Violet that he's going to leave tonight and he comes to say goodbye to her. Um, and he's being sent to the front lines, which seems like a punishment in more than, ways than one. Um, he will be allowed to return every two weeks and Violet is given leave to go, excuse me, to go see him every two weeks so that they're um, on opposite schedules and they're dragging to see each other every weekend. Now here I have that Violet is giving mixed signals because she keeps fighting with Zayn about the honesty and how she can't be with him because she doesn't trust him and that he's a liar and blah, blah, blah. But then when she's told that she can only see him like every five days, she like gets so upset in her own mind. And I'm like, girl, are we mad or are we not? I, I need to know what side we're on. <laughs> Um, we meet the new Commandant, who is Commandant Varish, and my note here says to look to the chapter head, so I'm going to read this to you. After three consecutive deaths of prisoners during his interrogations, it is this command's opinion that Major Burton Varish should be reassigned from an active wing until further notice, which means that he killed or was responsible for the deaths of multiple people while under his care. And yes, they were prisoners, but still. Um, that's my first indication that this is somebody we need to watch out for. Zayden and Violet try to argue that the dragons need to see each other more often than once a week. And Colonel Atos is like, mm, we'll find out about that, won't we? And Zayden is like, well, they don't listen to you, but he really doesn't care. Um, but he does... End the chapter by saying that secrets don't make for good leverage because they die with the people who keep them, which is extremely threatening. And in chapter six, he is much less cryptic about those threats. He very blatantly tells Violet that if she talks, he will kill her and Mira. So Violet is scared into silence. Violet realizes that they're going to be too far apart to be able to have their mind link that they do. I know I I know that they don't call it a mind link. I call it the mind link. Um, they call it their bond, but I like mind link better. Um, so I'll, I'll say that a lot throughout this. I'll say mind link. So that's what I'm talking about. Um, but she realizes that Atos is trying to keep them apart, trying to cut down their communications. She knows that her letters are going to be read. And she makes a comment to say that because she doesn't have a rebellion relic, Melgrim will be able to see her actions. And I wrote, will she get one? Is she going to get a rebellion relic by choice in order to hide her actions from Melgrim? Which... Is super fascinating. It, it's such a good idea. I don't know in my head because it was my idea, I guess. But it's a really fascinating idea that you have a guaranteed way to hide yourself, especially now because you know you're hanging out with other marked ones, to hide yourself from the leadership that you're trying to hide from. So that's just a thought there. Think about that. Let me know what you think. Get back to me. 
Zayden leaves, Dane is promoted to wing leader, and Rhiannon is promoted to squad leader. Which, good for Rhiannon. She deserves that, for sure. In Chapter 7, we meet their new professor, Grady. Um, and Darna is in the, quote, dreamless sleep, is what they call it, for her growth. And we find out that all the dragons know, all the Empyrean know about the Venon. And they are torn on whether they should get involved or not. Some think they should, some think they shouldn't. That's why dragons are not willing to bond, or less and less dragons are willing to bond every year, because of this disconnect in whether they should be involved. But anyway, their Professor Grady tells them that this class is their new class for second years, and it is how to survive if they ever get separated from their dragons. So essentially, they are just going to be, well, tortured, um, just to put it lightly. Violet also goes to Jasenia, who, like I said, she has a scribe friend. Um, and she asks for wards on, sorry, she asks for books on wards, um, says that she's doing research. And so she's interested in learning about the wards. Not a great cover, Violet. Think about, I don't think about this. Think about what you're doing. But anyway, chapter eight, it's conscription day for the first years. Um, Rhiannon gives Dane attitude, which I loved. She does not take his shit at all. Um, Violet recognizes one of the first years who is given a false name. And she knows him as the king's son, which, T, okay, <laughs> Um, why is the prince of Navarre, or Promiel, pretending to be somebody else so that he could become a dragon rider? Seems weird, but they go for it. Um, the other thing that I noticed in here is that literally nobody respects Dane as wing leader. Um, we're getting attitude on all fronts. Violet literally tells him to just shut up. And he listens. He just is backing down with his tail between his legs, which I think is hilarious. Um, we also meet Liam's sister. And Violet is giving her tips, even though she's not supposed to. Again, is like, hey, you're not supposed to do that. And she's just like, dude, shut up. <laughs> and she continues to do it anyway. Um, so I really like that Dane just kind of like lost everything here. He has nothing going for him anymore. Um, but Salone hates Violet because she blames Violet for Liam's death. And, you know, that, I guess, makes sense. Um, even though <laughs> we know how upset it, Liam's death had made Violet in the first place. But I get it from an outside perspective. I'd probably hate her, too. Um, she still gives the advice and Sloan listens begrudgingly, but she still does. Um, we also have, we meet the new commandant's, commandant, yeah, commandant's dragon, um, who is an orange one-eyed dragon. And my note specifically says new commandant dragon looks sus. <laughs> so take that as you will. Um, his name is Solus and Tarn doesn't trust him. Uh, we find out that Tarn is the one that took the one eye that he's already missing. Um, 
what else do we have in this chapter? There was a lot of information in this chapter. Um, from all of the cadets that make it across the parapet, they're meeting the dragon. And that's where we meet Solus because they're all meeting the dragons after crossing parapet. And one of the girls runs and Solus literally just like kills everybody in the path. He doesn't try to just kill the one girl. He kills multiple people. Um, so that's obviously a problem. In chapter nine, we learn that Basgaeth is the first stop for all messages before they even go to the king. So any information that's going to go to the king is going to stop at Basgaeth at Bas at first. Sorry, I jumped, twisted over my tongue. Um, so I think that is going to come on to play later. I think there's going to be something that they take like a message that they receive that they're going to steal so it doesn't get to the king. So we'll we'll see about that. Um, we also learned that there were two griffin attacks in the last couple days, and Reese starts asking Violet a lot of questions, and she's literally going to figure everything out. Violet is such a bad liar. She sucks at this, and every time Violet pretty much opens her mouth, Rhiannon is right there to be like, mm, okay, whatever you say. So it's literally going to be a matter of time before Rhiannon figures everything out. Violet tells Bodhi that she wants to help, and Bodhi says no, saying that Zayden said that she wasn't allowed to, that he wants to keep her safe and keep her protected. And I'm sorry, who does this sound like? Okay. Like, I know we just, like, fought a bunch of wyvern and venom but like he literally zayden who i mean is literally the one that was telling dane she doesn't need protecting she needs to learn how to fight so why is he all of a sudden like hey we need to protect her i don't know it, it rubbed me the wrong way i didn't like it we also find out in this chapter that um Rhiannon thinks that the school is hiding something because part of the healer's quadrant was guarded off. Um, and rumors are saying that it's a prisoner that they have in there that Varish is breaking them. And then Nolan is mending them so that Varish can break them some more. Which, honestly, like if you're going to do torture interrogation, seems like a pretty good tactic. Obviously, I've never been in that situation, either the torturer or the tortured, but I don't know. I've seen a lot of movies. It just, it seems like the thing to do. Salone, um, in their sparring class, challenges Violet, and Emeretto, the teacher, is just like, uh, no, she's the second year. She'll kick your ass. Stick to somebody in your own year. Um... Because Salone said her name out loud, though, another first year overhears and is like, wait, Violet and Nadine being, you know, sassy Nadine pretends to be Violet and is like, yeah, I'm Violet. Look at the color of my hair because her hair is purple and immediately gets stabbed in the face. Not exactly stabbed in the face, but he does kill her. And the first time that we saw this guy was on parapet and he was like ramming other people off of the parapet. 
and he was compared to Jack. So I'm wondering if this is Jack's little brother or somebody related to Jack who also blames Violet for his death and wants to get revenge on that. But I am immediately proven wrong in chapter 10 because he whispers the same thing that Colonel Ato said about the secrets dying with people who keep them. And so we know that Dane's dad had hired this guy to assassinate Violet. Um, Amaretto assumes that the assassination was meant to be a message to Violet's mother because Mira had somebody try to assassinate her um, while she was at school as well, which I thought was super interesting that we never got this information about Mira being almost assassinated at school, but we have it now, I guess. <laughs> and at the end of chapter 10, we learn that Zayden had left Violet a letter. Um, in chapter 11, we don't get to read the letter, but she says the the letter is just information about him, which, okay, maybe he's kind of taking into consideration that Violet doesn't want to have to ask questions in order to get information that maybe she should just be entitled to that information because she's part of this thing with him. And he's not really sharing anything about the revolution, though. He's only sharing, like, personal stuff, which I guess is a start. Jacinia brings Violet another book um, about the wards, and she asks Violet for help um, translating something. Jacinia then invites her to the archives, and as they're talking, they see a second year in the background, like, being hauled off by professors, and Jacinia says that she thinks that it's her fault because she recorded a request that he had had for a book that apparently he wasn't allowed to have. So she blames herself for this guy being hauled off and thinks that he's going to go get interrogated. And what do we know about the interrogations right now? There's rumors that they are extremely painful. So, like, what book was this dude trying to, like, borrow, right? What What is he doing? What's his plan? So Varish finds... Violet and starts asking her about Andarna and he's like hey when do I get to see your golden dragon I've never seen a golden dragon I really want to see a golden dragon blah 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 and literally how are they going to explain Violet all of a sudden hanging out with two black dragons it just doesn't make any sense if she's here at Bezgaeth so that makes me think that before Andarna is fully grown or you know wakes up from her sleep whatever She's not going to be at Bazgaeth anymore because there's no way that Violet, who is known to have a black dragon and a small gold feather tail, can show up with two fully grown black dragons and nobody's going to ask a question or figure out the secret behind feather tails in the first place. So I don't really think that they've thought this through because it's only a matter of time. And when Andarna wakes up, everybody's going to know so I don't know what the plan is there, but I don't think they really need a plan because I just simply think that Violet will not be here when Andarna wakes up. And then we get a few pieces of information from Varish. One is that he demands Andarna be at class, which, good luck. Um, two, we find out that Violet's dad was researching feather tails because there's no information on them, Remember? 
So I think it's very interesting that Violet's dad was researching feather tails, and then Violet bonded to the first feather tail that ever, anyone's ever seen in real life. So, well, not anyone has ever seen in real life, but that anybody has ever bonded with <laughs> in all of history. So it's very interesting that there's a connection there of, of course, assuming that we believe Varish in the first place. In a conversation with Bodhi, we learned that Zayden's ex-girlfriend's name is Catriona. It's not blatantly saying, but it's pretty easy to figure out that Zayden's ex-girlfriend is Catriona. Um, he also says that there were two assassination attempts on him this week. And before Violet leaves to go see Zayden, Varish stops her and searches her bags. So this is going to be a problem. Varish is definitely looking for something here. We also find out that Imogen and Aya, Aya, Iaya, um, however you want to pronounce that, both had assassination attempts on them as well. So it's very clear that the people who were at Resin, or, well, yes, Resin, but the people who were sent to Athbine um, are all being targeted. And we all know who those people are. Violet gets to Samara to see Zayden, and she he's not in his room, so she uses her mind link to find him way deep down under the tower where he's in a fighting pit, and he's fighting for the weekend off so that he can spend time with her. Um, when he wins the fighting pit, he they kiss, and Violet describes it as home. But then Zayden stops and is like, I'm not going to make out with you because I can't stand the thought of you not loving me anymore. So I don't want to have you unless I can have all of you. And I don't know. It just seems like a little whiny considering he's the one that messed up in the first place. <laughs> so obviously that's a bit of a fight. But the other information that we get from this chapter is that the daggers and the wards have to be imbued with writer magic in order to work. So that's obviously going to be very important. In chapter 13... Violet and Tarn return to Vazgaeth and are summoned by Varish for punishment for Andarna not being in class. Um, and he makes her strike her lightning over and over and over again, and she gets close to burning out. Um, she tries one last time because she's like, no, I can do it, I can do it, because she's stubborn. And she actually does start to burn out, so Taryn has to drop her in a lake to cool her off. Um, or a river, whatever. Um... <laughs> And they are saying that Andorna has to show up to class, but she literally can't because of reasons. Um, and then we find out that the writer who had taken the book um, was killed. And so now it's very important information to find out what book he was trying to take. Because as we know, Violet keeps requesting new books from Jacenia. So... She has to be careful which book she asks for at this point. And at the end of chapter 13, she is knocked out. In chapter 14, we find out it's because she was taken for the first lesson of their RSC, which is the survival class that she has to do. And their goal is to team up with the infantry and make their way back. So that is is difficult considering they don't have their signets due to the drink that they drank and they don't have their dragons to help. Um, they are also told the dragons are going to be hunting them um, and not to die. 
they get lost because they have two different maps. It's this whole thing. But the important part that comes in here is that they run into Jack Barlow's dragon. So, I don't know. That stood out to me. That was very, very interesting that Jack Barlow's dragon is here for some reason. Unfortunately, in this, we lose one of the writers, Thomas. Um, in chapter 15, somebody makes a comment about the only other things to fight in the brief fire are dragons. Violet kind of lets it slip that that's not the only thing. And Ree here. So again, Ree's going to figure this out really, really quickly. Um, but they are saved from this little expedition um, by the professors in chapter 15. Chapter 16... Violet visits the archives and finds Jacinia. She says something about how stories change based on who is telling them, just like her father had left the note for her. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Sorry, Violet didn't say that. Jacinia said that. Jacinia is talking about how the scribe that went on the mission with them recorded an accurate testimony of what had happened, but... It's just really interesting how there's the connection between what Justinia is saying now and what Violet's dad had left in the note for her back and forth wing. Violet asks what book the guy that was killed for um, had requested. And Justinia says that it, he was looking for the record of a battle that never existed. But he swears up and down that, yes, it exists because he lost people in the battle. So... We know that Navarre is hiding things from their people, but now it's kind of getting out to more of a public eye that things are getting hidden and secrets are being kept. We also find out that Justinia didn't record any of the requests that Violet has been asking for, and she didn't request, sorry, she didn't record the request from last year when Violet was asking for the book on the book of fables. And this is my first indication that, I mean, obviously besides the fact that Violet is like, Hey, we need a scribe that Jacinia is going to join the revolution because Jacinia seeing one, they're not keeping a full record in the libraries. And she finds that very important. Um, two, she's willing to lie to protect Violet. Three, she shows an interest in the books that are missing. She wants to know all knowledge, not just selected knowledge. So I think these are going to be important parts to pull Jacinia to their side. And Violet sees it too because she tells Jacinia pretty much what she's looking for, that she needs help finding information on how the wards were created. We find out that a writer couldn't get mended for a long time because Nolan was just so busy with something else that's in a secret room that Nolan and Varish have in the infirmary. So the rumors are starting to kind of, you know, get confirmed here that they're obviously hiding something. Nolan is very tired. He looks very worn down and he's not healing writers, which is literally his job. So what else are they doing? Violet goes to Samara with 
um, again, her bags were being searched by Varich, but she goes to Samara to see Zayd, and when she gets there, he has 24-hour duty, so they're not able to see each other at all before she has to leave again. So this just reinforce, reinforces that they are trying to keep them apart. They can't talk. They can't see each other. It just becomes very difficult to, one, have a relationship, and two, have the argument that keeps getting interrupted. But he keeps leaving her letters, though, so at least there's something. But it is starting to get a little annoying. And in Chapter 17, Imogen agrees with me because she tells Violet to stop focusing on petty little things like fighting with Zayden and to stop avoiding her friends, that there are bigger things that are going on and she needs to have a conversation with Rhi. So she does just that. She does just that. Oh, my gosh. And... Re tells her that she got a letter from her mom saying that there was a notice posted in their town saying not to let strangers in. So it's just Navarre doubling down on not helping anybody that isn't Navarian. And some stuff happens in Battle Brief. But when Violet goes to talk to Jacinia about it, Jacinia makes a point to tell Violet to give people the choice to stop deciding for them if they want to know whatever it is Violet's trying to hide and to give them the option. And I think that's really important because that's what Violet wanted. Violet wanted to make her own decisions and she felt like Zayden had taken that from her. And now she's doing that to Rhiannon and to the rest of her squad. So I think it's really important that Jacinia is kind of calling her out here on that. And she's saying, stop making decisions for people. Let them decide for themselves. In chapter 18, Zayden finds out that Violet's doing research on the wards. And he gets mad because he doesn't want her doing anything. And he thinks that she's putting them in danger. And I don't know. It, it, something about Zayden in this book, I'm just not really enjoying. I don't know if it's because we're not spending as much time with him or we're kind of past the sort of enemies to lovers, and now it's just kind of annoying. Um, <laughs> look, I have very little patience for lack of communication. So this is this whole back and forth about the same conversation over and over again was just a little frustrating for me. But that's just me personally. I know some people really like that sort of stuff. Um, but just for me, I'm not here for it. But Zayden demands to meet Jacinia because he wants to find out for her himself if he can trust her. And when Violet is like, well, how are you going to know? And he says that he'll know. He goes, no, I'll know. Um, this reminded me. I know last month I kind of discredited this theory a little bit. But this line made me think of it. And that is that Zayden is possibly in Tinsnik. Um... If not in Tinsnake, he might be able to, like, sense emotions or something because he is just so sure of himself here that, like, it's not just normal confidence that's driving this for me. There's something deeper. He meets her and obviously everything is fine because she's going to be part of the revolution. I just know it. Um... <laughs> But then Zayden and Violet fight some more. I, I don't even know what to say about that. Like, I feel like that's just going to be a theme about, you know, 80% of this is just going to be them fighting. But, ugh, okay. <laughs> 
in chapter 19, Rhiannon is picking up more cues and secrets that Violet doesn't want to tell her. Um, Violet, apparently, is going to be getting charged because Andarna will not show up for class. But Tarn steps in and threatens Varish by attacking his dragon. And literally is threatening to kill the dragon, in turn killing Varish, and tells Varish to get on his knees and apologize in front of everybody, which is extremely embarrassing, especially for a teacher who thinks he's so strong and a teacher that's, you know, supposed to demand respect. This is not going to end well. I just know it. Like, this is going to come back. This is pissing him off more. It's not pushing him away. It's going to make him fight harder. Because even, I can I can tell you, look, I'm not some evil professor that tortures people for fun. But I probably wouldn't stand by and let that happen either. You know what I mean? I would feel the need to take my pride back after that and prove that I'm not just going to cower down, which is kind of admirable. Um, But obviously this dude's a bad guy, so I can't really cheer for him, you know? (laughs) I feel very torn right now. Violet arrives in Samara in Chapter 20 and learns that Mira has been stationed there. And this made me think of the threat that Colonel Atos gave her, um, that if she tells anybody, then he'll have Mira killed. And we know that the theory that Zayden was sent to the Samara because it is on the front lines and it is one of the most dangerous posts that they could have. So I'm wondering if Mira was transferred there because of how dangerous it is and as a potential threat. Um, so I don't know. I think Mira is at danger here. I think Zayden's also at danger or in danger at danger. Um, but they're both very strong writers. And they both have very strong dragons. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting how that specifically plays out. But the good thing is that Violet gets to see her sister every other week. But now that Mira is here, Violet has the opportunity to talk to her. And if you guys remember, Mira's signet is shielding. And so Violet, you know, I I guess this, it makes sense. She puts it together that perhaps shielding and warding are very similar. And so Mira might have some information as to how to help the wards in Eurasia. So Violet presents it as a hypothetical about the wyvern. And Mira, like, brushes it off and is like, oh, you're obviously tired. Um, You're just confusing things. You know, how people do when they don't want to admit something might be beyond their belief. The other side of that is that Mira might already know and be lying and covering it up, Um, which, by the way, I think, I think her mom already knows because her, how would she not? I don't know. It, it seems to go too deep for her mom not to know. Um, But if her mom knows, then perhaps Mira knows. And if they both know, then what are they playing at? We also find out that they are killing civilians at the border, which is definitely going to come back later. In chapter 21, we learn that there was an attack at Bazgayath, and um, one of the 
10 that were in resin was killed. Um, Violet makes a comment that she thinks that it was a cover-up specifically to kill, to kill, sorry, Masson. (laughs) Um, I almost said resin. Um, so I don't know, that seemed a little far-fetched, but at the same time, there have been multiple assassination attempts on multiple people, but to, like, stage an entire attack on an entire town just for one guy, I don't know, seems a little much, but we're gonna roll with it. In class, Devera is talking to them about histories and cultures and lost history that was forgotten when the um, kingdoms merged and runes are brought up again and how Tyrish runes are a big part of the culture because they're on all their architecture. So even if they lost everything in the libraries, they still have the rooms on the architecture itself. So my thought is that if runes are on the architecture, could the runes be activated or... I don't know, turned on or whatever to become wards themselves or are runes used for something else? Obviously, they're used for something because they were on the box that they think is a lure. So those runes were were used as a lure. But I'm curious what else the runes can do. While they are on the mat, Dane tries to talk to her and she literally just like keeps walking away from him, which I this scene in my head when I visualized had me howling. It was hilarious the way that I, I like played it out in my head. Hilarious scene. Um, but then Dane goes up to Emeretto and obviously he's going to challenge her, which he does like a second later. Um, she warns him not to touch her face and Dane tries to tell her while they're fighting that he only saw Zayden say that he was going to Athman, that he didn't see anything else. And... I don't know. Do we believe him? Even if we did believe him at this point, the question still remains whether he was searching for more information at other points in time and he just wasn't able to get anything because he touched her face a lot. He touched her so much. It was disgusting. Um, But like, I don't know. I don't know if we should believe him. Or even if we do believe him, if that means it's a good thing or not, because he obviously was was trying against her will. And as we know, that's a big, huge line in the sand for Violet and her privacy. And here at the end of chapter 21, we have a big, big moment for Rhiannon. And I loved this. Rhiannon asks Violet what killed Day. As we know, the official story is that Griffins did. But Rhiannon's not buying that. Um, Obviously, (laughs) Violet doesn't answer. And so, like I said, Rhiannon knows. She knows something's up. She might not know everything, but she knows nothing is as Violet is saying it is. Um, but as she's walking away, the king's son comes up and is like, hey, she's figuring it out, isn't she? And he goes, or sorry, and Violet goes, what are you talking about? And he goes, 
we know what we're talking about. And it's revealed that he is aware of everything. And that is the reason he wanted to become a writer because he doesn't like how his father is handling it and he wants to make a difference. So guess who's now in the revolution unofficially? Everybody welcome Prince Arik or Cam, Prince Cam, um, to the scene. <laughs> in chapter 22, Grady tries to, well, Grady and Varys try to kidnap Violet for the interrogation training, but her bedroom is warded, so they literally couldn't, which I thought was hilarious. So she just kind of like goes with them willingly. Um, but anyway, in chapter 23, um, they get to the cave, they're given food and instructions that they all have to share secrets with each other. And in the interrogation, they're going to try to get those secrets out of each cadet. Um, I wouldn't eat or drink anything, especially after the last time when drinking stopped my signet from working. You bet your ass I would not be eating or drinking here. Um, you could survive. Obviously, they're not going to, like, let you starve. If you're going to die, you're, it's going to be, you know, more brutal than just starving. Um... <laughs> I guess that's not fair to drink. It's not fair to say. They might let you starve from starve to death. Um, this is the writer's quadrant, after all. But I still would not eat or drink anything that they're giving me, especially in this situation. And I think that would be, like, a lesson that they would want to teach you about not taking food and drink from an enemy. You know what I mean? Um, but... Violet's secret that she does share with everybody um, is that the infantry are killing civilians on the border. And that's a pretty big secret. She also tells them to stop drinking the water and to not drink it because she's afraid that it's going to dull their signet and she recognizes the scent from the last time they did it. Um, so I guess I was right about that. Um, and when they come in to take them into the interrogation room where they're going to chain them all up and everything. Rhiannon lies about not being able to reach their dragons. So she's definitely like on the side of lying at this point. Um, also Dane is there, which I thought was super interesting. <laughs> um, in chapter 24, Varys tries to convince Dane to use his signet and he refuses to. So I don't know, maybe Dane's turning a new leaf here. We'll find out. Nolan is called in to heal Violet because she's, like, the focus of the interrogation because, obviously, Varys just wants the, to beat the shit out of her. Um, so Nolan is called in to heal her so that Varys can keep breaking her, um, which fits into the rumors that we've heard about whatever Nolan and Varys are doing in the infantry. Um, or, sorry, not in the infirmary. Um, and... Nolan leaves, like, the door cracked and is talking to Varish in a way that Rhiannon and Violet could hear them. Um, so they kind of use this opportunity as a means of escape. Because if they escape, there's a special badge for them. Um, like the patches, and we, we know those are, <laughs> those are important. The writers like their patches. There is a moment here where Sawyer is telling Violet to 
tell them why Varish has it out for her so badly. And she says that if she told them that they would be strapped to the chair just as much as she would, and she's not going to do that to them. She's trying to protect them. And Sawyer replies, maybe let us decide that for ourselves. Which is exactly what she wanted from Zayden and exactly what Jacinia told her as well. So I see a recurring theme here. So they're going to be given the choice any day now. But they escape, and in the process, Violet learns that her dagger that Zayden had given her that has the runes on it magically unlocked the door. So obviously the runes do do something, but the scope of what they're able to do is still a mystery. In Chapter 25, there's a little bit of stuff that I didn't really find important. But what I did find important is that Zolia, the city of Zolia, was attacked by blue fire dragons. And this was on a pamphlet that was printed and handed out in Battle Brief. Not handed out, but like left on the desk. The teachers collect it. Um, and everyone's like, oh, a blue dragon attacks Zolia, a blue dragon attacks Zolia. But what people are failing to realize is that it said blue fire dragon. And as we know, wyverns breathe blue fire. So there was a wyvern attack in Zoya, not a dragon attack in Zoya. Um, obviously, they just like brush it off and they're like oh this is obviously propaganda none of this is true um but we know it's true we know what's going on and there's wyvern attacks in zoya um we also learned that nolan has had he's been healing jack barlow nolan has been healing healing jack barlow and jack didn't actually die um, when Violet smushed him with the mountain. <laughs> as ridiculous as that sounds, it's true. In chapter 26, we learn that there was also an attack on Zoya and, or not Zoya, on Samara, where Zayden is. And Violet freaks out and just like runs out of class and rides to Samara, like without permission. Um, in chapter 27, we find out that she's going to be in a ton of trouble um, because she went. But Zayden's fine. He had to get mended, though. Otherwise, he would have lost his arm. And he it was to a griffin attack, though. He was attacked by a griffin. Um, he'll be okay, obviously. But if there wasn't a mender there, like, it could have been really bad. Um, they have another fight again about not having sex together. And at this point, honestly, it's just getting really exhausting. I couldn't do it. I could not have this fight over and over again this many times. Um, <laughs> Violet does stand up to him, though, saying that she can't be the only one that's, like, risking her heart, that he has to be willing to jump without knowing how she's going to react because he's saying, no, I can't do it unless I know you love me. And she's like, you know what? You might have to take that risk if you want me at all. Um, apparently that worked um, because they do, you know, lay together and 
then Zayden says, hey, do you want to go meet the Griffins with me? The Griffin Flyers. And she says, yeah, obviously. So in chapter 28, um, they go to meet them. And it's the girl from the Lakes Arena um, with a bunch of others. And first of all, I think that Tarn likes Violet and is more attached to Violet than he's willing to share. Um, he, he makes a lot of comments just like throughout both books that he chose her, he chose her, like how special she is. He calls her silver one, you know, like there, there's a lot of little tiny things that kind of add up here. But I think the most important is that he, he's more attached than he's willing to admit to anybody. I think that this is one of the cases where the bond is so strong that if she did die, it would kill him as well, which would suck. <laughs> but there's another girl at the lake here with Serena who they call Kat. And obviously this is going to be Zayden's ex because her name was Caterona or Catriona. Catriona, that's it. Um, and obviously... We find that out at the end of the chapter that, yes, it is Catriona, who is Zayden's ex-girlfriend. In chapter 29, she, like, confronts Zayden about it. But what I really love about this is that Tarn tries to, like, talk her down and is like, hey, you were chosen by not one but two dragons. She's just a griffin writer. She is completely inferior to you. And he just kind of, like, talks her up. And he has this really hilarious quote where he's comparing Catriona to like gruel basically <laughs> saying that Violet is a much better food in the in this metaphor and it was just hilarious I loved it but um they go on to find out that Tarquis wants to see Violet yield and that is a guy who has a luminary that they need to strengthen the wards um Violet's like, yeah, let's go do it. But Zayden is saying no because he's a collector and he's afraid that he will kidnap her. Zayden also gives her one of the venom daggers and Violet fills him in with everything that happened in the last week about, you know, escaping and escaping the, um, not escaping, but escaping the interrogation class. Um... When they get back, Amaretto gives her advice on how to get out of trouble. And Varish finds her, searches her bags. And she has the dagger that Zayden had given her. And so Re, she, like, gets her eye and she, like, tries to get Re because, as we know, Re can, like, transport things with her mind. So she tries to get Re to take the dagger for her so that Varish can't find it. And Rhea is finally able to do it through the door without being able to see it. So I think this power, now that Rhea is getting more comfortable with it and stronger with it, is going to come into play later on. I think it's going to be a big deal. And in true main character luck fashion, Violet does not get in trouble for running out of class because Professor Kaori wrote a letter to Panchak saying that, like, it wasn't Violet's choice, that the emotions of her dragon overtook her, and that shielding from dragon emotions isn't something that they learn until their third year. So, obviously, Violet 
could not have stopped herself from going to Samara. And finally, at the end of chapter 29, only about 50% way into the book, does Violet finally tell Rhiannon that the dagger is for Venon. In chapter 30, she tells them everything up to the point of the battle. So she doesn't tell them that they went to Eurasia and she doesn't tell them about Brennan, but she does tell them about the wyvern and the Vedan and about Liam's death. Obviously, her squad mates want to help her try to get the wards up. And Riddick suggests that they go to try to get the journals that were kept by the original six. And he knows about these journals because last year when they were doing the challenge to steal something... And they stole the map from her mother's office. He had read information that journals were kept in a vault under the archives. Um, so that's the new plan. <laughs> Jacinia does find the vault in the archives. Um, but it's like warded and everything. So they have to break into it. But um, as she's going up to... Her watch on top of the tower, she is assassinated or attempted assassinated by four infantrymen. And as it's looking bleak and she's about to get thrown off the tower, who saves her? But in chapter 31, we find out that it is Jack Barlow. And he says that riders don't die at the hands of infantry and saves her and says that when he died, it was his second chance. Um... And so he is giving Violet a second chance. Um, I've got questions. <laughs> so obviously he didn't die, but if he did die, was he brought back to life? Um, why is he saving her life all of a sudden? Why the sudden change of heart, especially since it was her who killed him? It just, nothing is adding up here. So... There's some reason that Jack wants her alive, whether it's for something bigger or if he just wants to toy with her and try to convince her that he's not a threat anymore when he still is. Because obviously he's still going to be a threat. We don't spend the entirety of book one being afraid of him for him to not be a threat in book two. We find out that to get into the vaults, um, we need somebody with royal blood and oh my goodness what a coincidence that we have the prince here and willing to help <laughs> so in chapter two violet tells zayden that she told her squad everything and that they are breaking into the vault zayden obviously is gonna help even though he's mad about it and he does tell violet that he's worried about Arik helping them considering who he is and we find out the reason why is because Zayden killed Arik's brother. Um, <laughs> at the end of that argument, obviously, Arik still decides to help. And they go to the vault. And Jacinia tells them that if they get stuck in the vault and they run out of time, it is best to stay in the vault than to be in the library or in the archives once the wards are put in place. Because the wards would be really dangerous to them in there. Um, in chapter 33, they get down to the vault, they knock out the guards down there, and Arik gets through. He also pulls Violet through, the same way that Violet pulls people into her room, um, to help look for the journals. 
they're running out of time because there's a lot of books in here. But they do find the journals and they have to race out to get out of the archives in time. Which, yes, it's very high stakes, but obviously they make it out. And in chapter 34, we find out that Quinn is projecting as other people. So she projected as Violet and Rhiannon walking around so that nobody would know that Violet and Rhiannon weren't there. So when they find out that the journals are missing, they're not going to go looking for them because people saw them walking around at the exact same time. Okay, but let's talk about this for a second. Okay. <laughs> Quinn can essentially shapeshift. Okay. So... Did I miss this somewhere? Am I just completely caught off guard? Because they seem to kind of gloss over this information. But I feel like this is a very important piece of information. That one, if we can't trust Quinn, then we can't trust anybody. But luckily we do trust Quinn. How can they use this to their, to their advantage? Who can they pretend to be? And let's say like Quinn shapeshift or projected as the prince would she have been able to get through the wood, the wards? I don't know. Um, I just thought this was really interesting information that we just kind of gloss right over. Um, anyway, Zayden takes one of the journals and instead of waiting to leave in the morning, he's going to leave tonight so that he can get out of Basgayeth before... Varish finds him in the morning because he's been checking their bags, obviously. So he's going to get out as soon as possible so they can try to avoid Varish um, from checking the bags. Unfortunately, yes, Zayden gets out, but Nolan comes up and gives Violet a drink and is just like talking like old times. But obviously that drink was not safe and Violet passes out. And as she's going unconscious, Varish comes and, like, looms over her ominously. And there's a quote from Nolan at the end of this chapter here. And he says, I never like to see you hurt. But I cannot protect you from the consequences of your own actions when you risk the safety of every civilian in this kingdom. So, obviously, Nolan is very aware of what's happening. He knows... I'm assuming everything at this point. And he's chosen his side. In chapter 35, Varish is torturing Violet, trying to get information out of her. And it gets to the point where Violet starts to hallucinate talking to Liam. Which was heartbreaking, honestly. It was so sad. Um, because she just, like, misses him so much. But... She's remaining strong, um, partially with the help of Liam who is just kind of there for her. Obviously, he can't stop anything because he's, you know, I kind of thought of him as like a force ghost where like he's helpful, but like not really. Um, <laughs> but they find out that Varish's signet is that he can see people's weaknesses. And he was really surprised when he saw her because her weakness wasn't her frail body because everyone talked about, like, how breakable she was. But her weakness was the love that she had for other people. And so he is using that to try to get her to break. 
And he says that he knows Zayden's weakness because his mental shield slipped for just a second, which probably was a violet thing in the moment. I don't remember exactly what moment he's talking about. But we find out that it is a trap to try to get Zayden. Um, in her monologue, she says that Zayden is not going to come because he's going to protect his country. He's going to protect his people. But if we know Zayden at all, obviously he's going to show up. And if he doesn't show up himself, he has a plan to get her out. Um, honestly, there's a lot of information here about her talking to Liam in her kind of hallucinatory state of mind, she does overhear Varish's like assistants tell him that a lot of leadership was pulled, excuse me, was pulled to the um, gates because of a disturbance. Um, I don't know how much I believe here. I think it could be a tactic to try to break her, but they say that, Zayden deserted his post a couple days ago. And so they're waiting for him to show up. Um, because we know that her weakness is her loved ones. I don't know in this moment if I believe him. Um, but they bring Dane in and they tell Dane that she's a traitor and that he needs to read her mind and tell them everything that they can and he does it, and it, she tries to protect herself by picturing the moment that Liam died and tries to show what they were fighting, that they were fighting the wyvern and the venom, and tries to get Dane to realize the truth of the situation. And I have a note here. Um, so my, my notes are chaotic, but in this moment, we get the memory of Liam dying in extremely vivid detail. It's like reading it again for the first time. And my note says, fuck you, Rebecca. <laughs> um, so yeah, thanks for that. Because that was heartbreaking all over again for the second time. Um, when Dane sees it, all he says is that they were smuggling weapons. And my note here says, fuck you, Dane. <laughs> so lots of hate going on in this chapter coming from me. Um, but then he frees her. And my note says, okay, maybe not. <laughs> so like I said, chaotic notes here. Um, but yeah, so Dane helps her escape and starts fighting off um, Varish and his assistants and in chapter 36, obviously, who shows up but Zayden, um, we find out that the attacks at the borders were distractions to get the leadership out of Beskyth so that Zayden could get in and save Violet. They, the two of them together, kill Varish. And on their way out, they run into her mother. Her mother gives her the antidote to the serum that they've been forcing down her throat to cut off her ties with Zayden and Taryn and Andarna. Um, and Sigal, I guess. <laughs> um, she, her mother says that she was in Caldera and she got there as fast as she could. Um, we find out that Zayden was, 
had the dragons dropping wyvern bodies everywhere to try to, like, one, cause the distraction, but two, he's revealing information to the people at this point. He is willing to stake all the information that the Revolution knows on saving Violet. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with this. Um, Obviously... There's a case to be made that, like, I'll do anything to save the person I love. But there's also a case to be made that if you're the leader of something, sometimes you have to put that thing first above your own needs. And it's kind of that trolley dilemma, like, kill one or kill many. You know what I mean? So, I I don't know. Obviously, it makes sense in the situation. But that's just my thought on that. Take it as you will. Um, what else was in this? This was a big chapter. Um, we find out that her mother had wanted her to be a a writer, um, so that she would be prepared for this because her mother knew about it the entire time. She also had told Zayden to keep her alive, um, the the first year. So that's the reason Zayden hadn't killed her was because he had to deal with his, with her mother to protect her. Her mom makes sure that they are getting out safely. And Dane is given the choice whether he wants to come with them or stay in Navarre and fight with Navarre, becoming their enemy. He does choose their side and calls a meeting as wing leader with all of the cadets and basically tells them everything and is like, come with us or stay here. And everybody is given the option just like it was led up to, up to this point. Literally, everybody was given the option of whether they wanted to come or stay. Um, Dane leading this was very surprising to me. But, there it is. (laughs) I think Rebecca heard all of the hate that we had for Dane. And perhaps maybe she didn't hate him as much. And so she was like, all right, well, now I have to redeem him. And she kind of went... The complete opposite in this one. She was like, no, we have to give him a, a redemption arc here. So it's really hard to hate him when he just, you know, became traitor to his country and to his people. So I don't know. It's interesting. The dragons, the Imperium had an emergency meeting as well and they decided that each dragon gets to pick for themselves if they want to go so again this this option the choice that people are getting um at the end of the day over a hundred riders and their dragons go with them back to Eurasia, um including a few scribes with jacinia leading them Chapter 37, we learned that obviously none of this was planned, and the assembly is not quite prepared for all of these people being here, and now it's painting a target on their back, and it puts them at risk, because what if somebody came with the intention of kind of ratting them out, right? Um, Chapter 38, and Darna does wake up, and we find out that she is a scorpion tail, she is now about two-thirds the size of Sigale, which I feel like is pretty large. And she's not even done growing yet. Um, 
And in her growth, she had some complications because they were moving her a lot. And we don't know if her wing will ever write. And if her wing doesn't write, she won't be able to carry a writer. But okay, here's my question on that. Because Violet is so small, would she be able to carry Violet even with a semi-deformed wing? Just a thought, because maybe that's what made her and Violet so perfect together is that, yes, they were both little at the time, but even as a full-grown dragon, she might still be able to carry Violet because of Violet's size. Um, Just a thought. So everybody also writes to their families trying to tell them to leave Navarre and what's going on. Um, there was a moment where Arik says that he declines writing to his family. I laughed out loud. I thought that was hilarious that he just made that comment. It was perfect. Um, <laughs> in Battle Brief, Brennan tells all of the cadets everything. But the big reveal at the end of this chapter is that Mira shows up and says that their mother had told everybody everything and gave everybody the option to stay or go. And then we also have Mira seeing Brennan. Um, so obviously Mira didn't know any of this, but when she sees Brennan, instead of reacting the way that Violet had with, like, love, Mira's pissed and she punches him in the face. In chapter 39, um, Violet thinks that she knows how to raise the wards. So they hike to the ward stone, and the runes on, there are runes on the stone. Um, In the journal, she thinks that it talks about an iron rain. But I'm wondering, what if it means like iron rain, like like a royal rain, like R-E-I-G-N, not R-A-I-N? Um... Because they may not have had the word for that back then. And so the translation could be really rough. But that was my thought was they're talking about like an iron rain, like something falling from the sky. But I'm thinking that it might mean like an iron rule as opposed to rain. They get the six most powerful writers that they have and try to start up the wards. But it doesn't work. So obviously they're missing something. Violet again, decides that she's going to go see Takaris, even though Zayden said no, because she's feeling desperate to get these wards up. In Chapter 40, Violet is training with her new teacher, um, Felix, and he tells her that he's basically not impressed because she doesn't know how to aim and that she should be able to control lightning in her hands alone. So he gives her a pendant to try to hold the lightning, and she's able to. Um, But this is going to be a tool that she's going to heavily rely on, I swear. Um, (laughs) She goes ahead and leaves to go see Takaris while Zayden is gone. Um, But when they get there, guess where Zayden was? (laughs) Chapter 41, we find out that Takaris is... Catriona's uncle. So guess who else is there? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So Zayden's ex, Zayden. Violet, the guy that Zayden thinks wants to kidnap Violet, we're all here. Um, They say that they're going to have dinner before they start negotiations. Um, And 
obviously, like, Zayden is not happy that Violet came. Zayden is upset. He is mad at her. And she says that he's acting like Dane. And, you know, I kind of agree on this one. He's being way too overprotective. Like, he's not the same. And just something about him, like, I, I just, I'm not enjoying him like I did in the first one. So I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know what's wrong with Zayden, but something's got to change here. Something's got to give. They are told that everybody has to change their clothes and they have to be presentable to go have dinner with Takaris, with the Viscount. And so they go and Violet puts on this sexy black dress. When she comes out, Kat is being catty. (laughs) Um, She tries to tell her that Zayden likes women in more color. And she's wearing a bright red dress with bright red lipstick. Um, And she she basically tells her, like, you always wear black. Like, Zayden would want you to wear something with more color in it. But we know that's a lie, guys. We know that he likes his women in black. At least he likes Violet in black. Literally, he told her so. Not too many chapters ago, he said that she looks better in black than anything else. Um, and before, okay, so when we first met Kat and they were like, this is Zayden's ex, I was like, oh, well, it's going to be jealousy on Violet's part. But I don't think we have to pin women against each other like that. But then she kind of wrote Kat to be this catty bitch and... I hate it. Not that I hate Kat's character. I hate that women are written this way. Um, I understand it. I just think it's a little cliche that we have this competition between the girls. You know, like, let's lift each other up. What's going on? Kat then proceeds to insult Violet's mother. And then she insults her hair, and she was like, I thought you always wear your hair up, meh, meh, meh. Like, what if you have to fight? So, obviously, there's going to be a fight here. Um, <laughs> and we know that Zayden has told her, if you ever want to bring me to my knees, just take your hair down. So, we know that Zayden likes Violet with her hair down. So, Violet's just, like, all up in her head and driving her crazy. Um, When they come out... Zayden immediately eyes the dress and he's like super turned on about it. He tells her that Kat can affect her emotions. Um, which, (laughs) okay, that's definitely going to come back later because she's not just using this to what? I don't even know. Try to get Zayden back. Mm, okay. Um, <laughs> something's gonna go. Something's gonna go with that later on. Um, but Takaris makes Violet. Um, he has her shoot lightning at a chest. But it's more than that. They make like a spectacle out of it, and he apparently has captured a venom, and releases the venom on Violet. So in chapter 42, 42, excuse me, Violet, Mira, and Brennan all fight the Venom together. Um, and Violet defeats them by 
electrocuting him because it's raining. So she like jumps. She has her siblings get off the field, jumps off the ground and electrocutes it. Um, and apparently that was an, enough to earn respect from, um, from Sakaris because then they go into negotiations about getting the luminary. He tells them that his price for the luminary is that they take the Griffin Flyers back to Aratia with them and train them. And I wonder who that's going to include. Mm. Um, <laughs> in chapter 43, we have to hike back up the mountain because griffins can't fly in high altitudes. On the way up the mountain, they're talking to the flyers. People are kind of, you know, separating and pairing off. And when they reach near the top, there's a trap that is too large for Violet and one of the flyers to jump over because they're both too small. So Violet kind of teaches her how to adapt like she did with the gauntlet. And the reason that they have to do this is because the flyers have a much more passive way of getting chosen as a flyer. They literally just like base jump. And if they land on a griffin, then they become the writer. If they don't, then they just go for a nice swim. Um, their training is a lot less deadly than the dragon riders are. So I feel like this was a weakness for this young flyer in the sense that she never had to learn how to adapt. She never had to figure out how to get through things like this. And unfortunately... She dies trying. In chapter 44, while they are dealing with the death of the flyer, um, a wyvern attacks. And there are four riderless wyvern. Violet is able to defeat all of them using like more energy type of magic as opposed to relying on the lightning itself because she now has the pendant. In chapter 45, they have to adapt to life as the flyers move in, and they go to class to learn about runes. In chapter 46, we a couple weeks pass, and they decide that the writer's codex is now applying to the flyers, and that the flyers are going to be absorbed into the writer's squads. So before any of that happens, they have to take out their grievances between each other, and so they have challenges on the mat where, obviously, Catriona challenges Violet. Um, there is a scene here that I love where Indarna and Tarn are telling Violet how to fight Catriona. Indarna says, scratch your eyes out. Really, the eyes are the softest tissue. Just jab your thumbs in there. And Tarn interrupts and says, Indarna, use some common sense. The kneecaps are a much easier target. And this was just hilarious to me that these two dragons are, like, teaming up to help their writer defeat this girl. <laughs> I love this scene. I love these two working together, and I really like Sassy and Darna. In chapter 47, we have the fight where Kat is really getting under Violet's skin. 
and we find out that they were engaged. Kat was meant to be queen, I guess, of Tyrandor. Um, and we realize that, like, Kat's cheating. They're not supposed to be using their powers, but Kat is using her powers. And so Zayden, like, grabs Violet and drags her off the mat and is kind of holding her back. Even though he does tell Violet that if she wants to kill Kat, he's not going to stop her. Like, she, she can totally kill him or kill her if she wants to. Obviously, she doesn't want to, but, like, she's just so in her mind that she kind of starts to. And so Zayden has to take her, like, farther away to get her far enough from Catriona that the mind control stops. In Chapter 48, he takes her to the throne room where the assembly meets. And, I don't know, this was weird to me. I mean, I get it, but they have sex on the throne. I don't know. It just seems like a really weird time. Like, every time that they're sleeping together seems mildly inappropriate to me. I don't know. Am I am I too old for young love? I don't know. <laughs> and it did kind of gross me out a little bit when Violet said that they were endgame. I don't know. That just gave me an ick. Zayden says that he never loved Kat. And that it was simply an arranged marriage. It was a betrothal. Um, but he broke up with that her. And technically, he's the king of Tyrandor. Um, They really just gloss over that. So are we literally not going to talk about this at all? Because, hear me out. If they go to war against Navarre, and they win, who do you think is the new king? I mean, Zayden, right? Am I missing uh, some lineage here? Am I missing a hierarchy? Because wouldn't Zayden be the king if they win? I'm not sure if that's how it works, to be fair. I don't know if the world works in this way with the hierarchy. But we really just, like, don't talk about this at all in this chapter. Um, Weird. In chapter 49, Violet asks Dane to help translate the journal. He says that it's not the word for rain, um, but he doesn't exactly know what it is, but he knows it's not the word for rain. They do have a conversation about what had happened the previous year, and Dane apologizes. He says that he'll help imbue the stone, and she asks that if she is in love with Zayden. She says yes, and he says that Knowing that she's in love with him is enough for him to trust him as much as she does. So, again, we're, we kind of see Dane on this new leaf. Um, if we're not supposed to trust him, I don't know, I'm kind of falling for it. This is a, a weird situation where I'm just like, okay, maybe he did change. But I, I am having such a hard time, though, because I hated him so much in book one. So I'm conflicted with if we should trust Dane at this point. In chapter sorry, chapter 50, Violet practices more with Felix, and we learned that Venon had attacked a nearby city. In chapter 51, we find out that the word rain is supposed to be flame. So it talks about an iron flame. 
we literally in the chapter like two chapters before this when they're giving the patches to the flyers who have joined their squad they tell her they tell everybody excuse me they tell the flyers how they are the iron squad of flame section i know you guys can't see me right now but this isn't subtle and they're not figuring it out with all of the stuff that is written that for some reason violet is able to figure out with very little information that we're given as the reader this piece of glaringly obvious information goes right over Violet's head. Unless I'm wrong. I could be wrong, but it's literally saying Iron Flame. They are the Iron Squad of Flame section. So I don't know. Maybe they are the six that they're supposed to... Like, that they need to get the wards up? I don't know. It just... it. I'm super... It's weird because I feel like if this was an important piece of information, Violet would recognize it because she's super smart. So am I overthinking this? Is this piece of information not relevant and it's just a really cool way to tie in the book name? I don't know. <laughs> um, or are they referring to flame as the dragons? Like literal fire. Do they need to bring fire from their dragons? I don't know. But I just think it's really weird that they are the iron squad of the flame section. And they're not recognizing the iron flame reference in this passage. So Violet finishes um, fixing the translation and realizes that the dragons are needed. But now she's not sure that they should. And in chapter 52, um, people still don't know who Arik is, which is Good, I guess. I don't know if it would matter, honestly, at this point. He's already part of the rebellion or revolution, whatever you want to call it. And Violet tells her squad that if they raise the wars, the flyers would not be able to wield anymore. And so they have to decide if they want those flyers, I mean, have to decide if they want to stay and lose their powers or leave and not be protected by the wards. So again, she's giving people a choice, which I can appreciate. Um... Violet has a dream about the Venom telling her that she will turn for love. That she will, I'm assuming, turn into a Venom for love. So she will sacrifice herself in order to save someone she loves. I'm assuming Zayden. But... I don't know. I think that she might be immune to the venom, death touch, or whatever you want to call it, the siphon. And I'm still thinking about, like, what I had said in my original fourth wing commentary about how her hair is, like, silver, and, like, when she was born, she was devoid of color and life and... You know, I, I don't know. I, I still think there's a connection there. And I think to the Venom, she is special somehow. And her squad has a challenge to see if they can find um, wards that were scattered around to try to test their ability to use wards. In chapter 53, they are hiking 
down the mountain trying to find the wards. And, and we find out that Andarna cannot breathe fire yet. We find a cave system and we find out that Andarna can smell other dragons in the cave. So now they're like, do we keep looking for the rune in here or do we leave? They decide they're going to stay and they're going to look for the rune, which, okay, see you at the funeral. What's important about this chapter, though, is that they're talking about how because Violet has two dragons, will she get two signets? Now, Sloane misunderstands the question and gives kind of this history lesson about how Riders can't have two signets unless they are bonded to a dragon that was previously bonded to their relatives or their ancestors. Okay. Who do we know that is bonded to their relative's dragon? Okay, I'll let you guys think about that for a sec. Who do we know that's bonded to the relative's dragon? If you guys don't remember, it's Zayden. Segale was his grandfather's dragon before it was his. We got the first hint of this in his POV in Fourth Wing. He says grandparent. Um, says that they never made it through the writer's quadrant that they, I don't know if they died or what. Um, but here's a theory. Okay. Thinking back to Zayden possibly being intrinsic. If, okay. So we know that signets come from the writer, not the dragon, right? In, that case, can signets be passed down? So hear me out. Okay, <laughs> as example, we know that Violet's signet is lightning. Her mother's is storms. Very similar, but a little different, right? Which you makes sense if you're talking about passing down traits from mother to child or father to child. So going back to Zayden, if he is intrinsic, maybe his grandfather was intrinsic, and that's why he didn't make it through writers is because he was dead. He got killed. I mean, obviously he died because he didn't make it through writers, but he got killed because he was an intrinsic. So I don't know. I really discredited this theory at first, but a lot of evidence is stacking up to it. Um, anyway, um, as they're hanging out in the caves, um, a orange dragon appears, obviously, and Darna gave us warning. Um, and it is Solus, who is Farish's dragon. Um, so that's interesting. They, I know they're not, like, super far away from Bazgaev, but they're not super close either. So, if Varish died at Bazgaev, like, why is his dragon all the way out here by himself? I don't know. Um, chapter 54, and Darna 
covers them from Solus's fire because obviously she's fireproof. And then she fights him and she kills him. Like, go in Darna. Good for you, babe. Um, we find out in this fight that Sloane's signet is to siphon. She can pull power from another person. And she almost accidentally drains Violet in the process. Um, Catriona helps Violet to the healer because Violet had saved her life. So now they're going to be best friends and they're not going to fight as much. Because that's how writing girl fights works <laughs> most of the time. Um, not to say, look, look, look. I know I'm kind of talking a lot of shit on this trope. It's just very predictable, is all I'm saying. Um, anyway. <laughs> In chapter 55, Zayden and Violet fight some more about the whole trust thing. They use the armor analogy that Imogen had originally told Violet when they were like, when Violet was like complaining and Imogen was like, suck it up, buttercup. Um, she, Violet, straight up asks Zayden what his second segment is. He hesitates answering. Which is really interesting because he's like, ask me a question. I'll answer whatever you want to know. Blah, blah, blah. And then when she finally does, he doesn't answer. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's going to be really interesting. Oh, I want to go back, though, for just one, one quick second. Writers are forced to take birth control. And this was mentioned in Fourth Wing when Violet first gets there. She says that they don't want little ones running around, right? So if Zayden's grandfather didn't make it through the quadrant, yet Zayden's father or mother, we don't know. I still, dude, I have so many questions about Zayden's mother, but we're not getting there yet. One of them had to have been born, which means that Zayden's grandfather got somebody pregnant before he died, right? Is this why writers have birth control that they have to take? Why they have the rule that they don't want babies running around? Because they're afraid, leadership is afraid of people having a second signet. It loses their control when people have more power. So are they forcing birth control on the cadets in order to try to control people getting more than one signet? Because if dragons keep bonding the same family line, who's to say it stops at two? If Sigail, for some reason, bonds Zayden's child, will that child have three? Or even more. I don't know. It's just a theory that, like, where where does it end? And who's trying to stop it from happening? But anyway, going back, this fight is interrupted by Brennan saying that wyverns are attacking. In Chapter 56, Zayden and Violet are going to the Wardstone. And 
because they fly fast, they got there a lot earlier than other people. But all the dragons are meeting to try to get the ward stone activated to get the wards up. Um, while they're waiting, they continue to have the fight about what his second signet is. And look, if he isn't Tisnik, it's going to be worse to Violet than Dane was. It's going to be so much worse. Because at least for Dane, like, she knew when it was happening. With Zayden, it's on all the time. You can't shut it off as an Intensnik. At least I don't think you can. I mean, obviously, we don't know very much about it because they're always killed. But it, it's going to be worse. <laughs> he says that she will fall out of love with him if he tells her. And... Then he answers her thoughts. <laughs> so obviously this is what it is. Like, it's definitely what it is. He says that nobody else knows um, and that he's not a full intensnik. He is a type. So he can't read exact thoughts, but he can feel their intentions. Whatever that means. Because he literally just answered her thoughts. So I don't know if I believe him. When the other dragons get there, um, they get the wards up and it causes the venom to retreat momentarily. When they get back, they find that Melgren had sent a message to Violet and Mira asking them to meet. And that their mom is going to be there. And... For some reason, the flyers are still able to wield, even though the wards are up. And this is where we really, really get into the really good stuff, guys. Chapter 57. Violet, Zayden, and Mira go to meet with Melgren and their mother. Um, Melgren tells them that he let everybody go without killing them because he knows that he's going to need them. He has foreseen, um, because his... Signet is seeing future battles, right? He has foreseen the Venon attacking Samara. And he comes begging them to help so that way they can change the outcome of that fight. Because if they don't help, they will die. But then Brennan shows up. And apparently... Their mother had no idea that Brennan was still alive because she is rocked. Let me tell you, she's shook. Um, Brennan basically says, no, we're not going to help you and just kind of leaves it at that. In chapter 58, it's not really sitting well with Violet and the rest of her squad that they're not going to help Navarre. They're not going to help Asgaeth. She thinks that it would be the right thing to do is to help them in the battle. So in the process of thinking things through, Violet realizes that the Wyverns are probably going to attack Basgaeth and not Samara. They think that they are going to use Samara as a distraction while they really attack Basgaeth because that is where the Wardstone is. In chapter 59, they decide that they are going to return. Um, even if it's not everybody, they're going to do the best that they can to help. So 
they head out to Baskayeth. And Violet tells her mother that the wards are in danger. Her mom is like, no, it's not possible. Blah, blah, blah. Everything's fine. They're guarded. But when they go to check, obviously, it's not fine. The guards are dead. And there's a dragon inside. And whose dragon, you ask? Well, Jack Barlow's. And the wards are down. Now, one thing I want to pull from this is that Bade's eyes are described as murky white. I went back and looked at when they ran into Bade in the um, forest, and they were hazy then. So Bade has slowly, I don't know if he was like losing his vision or what, but murky white usually reminds me of like, zombie eyes almost (laughs) and obviously you know jack was brought back from the dead in theory because how is he going to survive being under a mountain but whatever is babe (sighs) i don't know it just seems weird my first thought was that babe might be dead too and like brought back to life as well but jack's eyes aren't murky white at least they haven't been described that way yet but Something I noticed. In chapter 60, we find out that Jack is a venom. Nolan had made the serum to keep Jack's powers down so that he couldn't, you know, suck the life out of everything. And Jack has been sneaking venom in to Bazgayeth. Um, Violet thinks that it's a mistake to abandon the Wardstone. And Brennan comes to help bringing flyers to help protect Bazgayeth. So eventually they made the right decision to help the people. In chapter 61, they're getting ready for battle. Their mother makes it rain to help Violet use her lightning. Again, there's a connection between the two of them. Um, And the horde approaches. As the fight commences, we have a scene where Rhiannon jumps from her dragon... And attacks a venom. Okay. Where have we seen this before? Where have we seen this before? Last time we saw this happen was right before Liam's death. And I think it makes a lot of sense that Violet freaks out here. Violet panics. Even though it's not explicitly stated that it reminds her of Liam. It's just really interesting that both times they were fighting Venon, they jumped off their dragons. It was very impressive. And then Violet's like, I can't lose my best friend. I don't know. I just noticed this. Um, Obviously, you know, Reed doesn't die in this moment. Everything's fine. Just... It stood out to me as a parallel to Liam's death. In chapter 62, Sawyer loses a leg. Violet, apparently feeling left out of the jumping club, jumps from Tarn. Um, (laughs) She grabs Sawyer and then jumps down again, and Zayden uses his shadows to slow her fall so that Tarn can get there and to catch them in time, but otherwise they would have been splat on the ground. Um... Brennan thinks that he can mend the stone. 
So he goes to the stone and tries to mend it together. While Violet is fighting, she comes face to face with one of the venom that says that she will turn to something much more dangerous. So again, I'm going to ask, what is so special about Violet? What is so special about Violet here? Why do the Venom want her so badly? And why do they want her alive? In chapter 63, and Darna leaps from her hiding spot among the rocks to attack the Venom. Um, Jacinia tells Violet that she thinks that there should be a seventh element to the wards, which makes me think that Andarna is some super special type of dragon that maybe she's not necessarily black, um, but she's going to be that seventh one that they need. The leader of the Venon arrive, and while everyone's focused on the fight, Violet thinks that she knows for sure how to get the wards up. She swears that she can do it, and she begs her mom for help. Um, her mom says no, <laughs> but she is going to do it anyway. Zayden says that there's time because the Venon leader is going to wait for him because he's waiting for him anyway. So I feel like Zayden has, again, more information that he's not sharing with us, and he's not sharing with Violet. So, like, why does he think that the leader of the Venom want him specifically? Especially when the Venom were telling Violet, like, we want you. He wants me to bring you to him. So why does Zayden think that they want him instead? I don't know. So I'm, I'm wondering if Zayden knows who the leader is. And do we know who the leader is? I feel like it, it's not going to be somebody new. I feel like it's going to be somebody that we know. Having a character that's completely unrelated right now to be like such this big of a threat, I feel like it wouldn't really fit. So for this reveal to be meaningful, it has to be somebody that we're aware of already. In chapter 64, we learned that Andorna is, in fact, a different breed of dragon and that she can camouflage. And most of the time she chooses to be black because she looks up to Tarn and wants to be like Tarn, wants to be strong like him. She also says that she waited to hatch for centuries because she didn't think that anybody was worthy of her, knowing that she was such a rare breed and probably the last one of her kind. If she sat in an egg for 500 years, 600 years, she might very well be the last of her kind. And she waited specifically to find a writer that was worthy of her, and she chose Violet. So yes, and Darna is the seventh that they need to bring up the wards. And surprisingly, Violet's mother shows up to help as well. Um, in the meantime, Zayden is fighting the sage, who is riding a wyvern that breathes red fire. Okay, so now we have green, blue, and red. I don't know. I'm just thinking maybe there's a brown, and maybe there's an orange, and <laughs> you know what? I, maybe there's a black. 
uh, there's probably going to be the same amount of wyverns as there are dragons because they had this whole big speech about how magic has to be in balance with each other. So if there's six or seven different types of dragons, there's got to be six or seven different types of wyvern as well. As Violet is trying to imbue the wardstone, Tarn tells her that she's going to burn out and that he has dedicated his life to her, that he's decided that she will be his last writer. So when she dies, he will too. And this is the confirmation that I needed for a few chapters ago when I said that I felt like Tarn was much more devoted to Violet than he wanted to admit or that, you know, we were being led to believe. He is 100% in with Violet, just like Andarna is. In order to save Violet's life, her mother uses Sloane as the siphon to siphon her own power to finish imbuing the wardstone. In the process, dying. Her mother sacrificed herself in order to bring the wards back up around Vasgaeth. And I'm not going to lie, it was pretty sad. It was emotional. I don't know why. Um, obviously, it wasn't as sad as Liam's death. But it. I, I felt like it was written very well. In chapter 65, we find out that Zayden lives because the wars got brought up in that exact moment. Otherwise, he was on the brink of death. Um, Violet tells Tarn and Indarna to talk because Tarn doesn't know about and Darna's abilities, I guess we should say. Um, and Zayden killed the sage and describes that there was like a tether that was tying them together. So again, there's more here that Zayden's not sharing. And there's a history between the two. It's also in this chapter that we find out the biggest reveal of the entire book. That Zayden has a red ring around his eye, meaning that he is now, at least at the very, very least, partially venom. Um, in chapter six, 66, excuse me, is Zayden's point of view. And this is the last chapter that we get. And we kind of get a dream sequence of Zayden fighting the sage. And in it, the sage tells him, I've told you before that you're going to die or you're not going to You're going to change for love. But isn't that what Violet had dreamt of? He had told Violet that she would change for love. But now Zayden is seeing him say that Zayden's going to change for love. So why is this happening at both ends? But the book ends with Zayden going to the tower where they're keeping Jack. And he's asking Jack what the cure is to get rid of the venin, venininum, venenism. I don't, the veninous. <laughs> um, and he, Jack replies that there is no cure. He's just part of the family now. And that's where it ends. And whoo. So much happened in that last little bit. Um, but I want to talk about 
a couple theories that I have before I let you guys go, but I know this was a really long one, so thank you for hanging out with me for this long. Um, so here are my theories, real quick, rapid fire. My first theory is on what Violet's second signet is. I have two theories here. One, either she has more control over more elements, um, but that seems a little destructive, and Violet's not all about that. She also has that very caring and smart side of her as well. I feel like it has to be a balance between her mother and her father, her scribe and her writer personalities. Um, so I think the one that I'm kind of leaning more towards that I think is more likely is that she is an amplifier for other people's signets. And let, okay, so I have a couple examples. When she was with Mira and Mira was able to shield them. Um, I think that she enhanced that when Rhiannon was trying to get the dagger for her and Rhiannon has never been able to pull through a wall before able to do it with Violet there. I don't know. That's just a couple thoughts that I have. My second theory is about who the general of the venom is. Okay. And the, Stick with me for this one, okay? I think it's Violet's dad. Let me tell you why. One, we know, well, you guys know that my theory about Violet is that she has venom in her or she has something to do with the venom. She was either infected or however you want to say it. So what if her dad had venom when Violet was conceived, and so it was transferred to Violet in the pregnancy process, right? That would explain her weakness. That would ex explain her gray hair. That would explain the fever that almost killed her mother during pregnancy as well. This theory is also semi-supported by the fact that Violet's mom kept the alloy dagger in her desk and not on her. And if you're a general who knows about the venom being real-life threats, knows that they can come at any point in time, knows that even, like, you travel a lot, why aren't you taking this dagger with you? My theory is that she didn't need it for the venom that were outside of the wards. She needed it for the venom that was inside the ward. And as we know, the inside the wards, the venoms can't survive. So what if, I don't know, if it's like a different strain or it was like an early strain or it was progressing slower because of any sort in type of thing. But what if the ward was weakening her dad and that's why she had to, he had to leave to survive. And once he left the wards, he became full venom and got a lot stronger. And I just want to point out like one small little thing here as well. When Andarna was telling Violet why she waited to hatch and why she chose her. She says, I waited 650 years to hatch, waited until your 18th summer when I heard our elders talk of the weakling daughter of their general, the girl forecasted to become the head of the scribes, and I knew you would have the mind of a scribe and the heart of a writer. You would be mine. Her mother is not a general. Her mother's a commander. So that leaves her dad. Is her dad a general? 
And if he is a general, that means he's the general of the Venom. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I know it's a little unhinged. But when I first started questioning who the general might be or who the sage might be, I immediately thought the sage is not going to be a fighter. The sage is going to be someone brain smart, book smart. And that means a scribe. And that brought me to her dad. So sit with that one. Peruse with it. Let me know what you think. So while I leave you with that super crazy unhinged theory, um, <laughs> I just wanted to say thank you guys for hanging out. Like I said, I know it was a long one, but thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Let me know what you think. Let me know your theories because obviously I don't have a limit to how crazy they can get. So I want to hear every single one. Um, and again, thank you guys so much for hanging out. Make sure you pick up Night Weaver because next week we are going to be covering the first part. We will be covering chapters 1 through 10 on December 6th. So make sure you pick that up. I have it linked in my Amazon uh, cart and I'm super excited. Also, make sure you're writing down your questions and sending those in to me because RM Gray is going to answer your guys' questions um, at the end of the month. So thank you so much for hanging out. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend and thank you again. Love you. Bye-bye.